unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. You're listening, you're listening. You're listening to Terra Informa. Sarah Chitzas, and I'll be your host for the next half hour as we discuss Dr. Seuss's The Lorax, resource extraction, and environmental children's stories. I am hosting this episode from so-called Vancouver on the unceded traditional territory of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. This episode was produced on Treaty 6, the historic and present meeting place of the Cree, Blackfoot, Métis, Salto, the Nakota Sioux, and the Dene. Our recording studio in Amiskuchi is Papa's Chase land. We are grateful to work, live, and study on this land. As we educate and share on environmental issues and stories, we recognize that as settlers, we are not the ones to start this work, but rather need to work in solidarity as treaty people with the Indigenous nations that have been protecting this land since time immemorial. As we discuss stories of resource extraction today, I invite you to take some time to reflect on whose land you are on and on the ways in which you are benefited by the resource extraction and development that takes place on traditional Indigenous territories. The Lorax is a children's book that was first published in 1971. In 2012, The Lorax was adapted into an animated film that stars popular actors like Ed Helms, Danny DeVito, Betty White, Zac Efron, and Taylor Swift. The Lorax book begins with a child arriving in a desolate area who finds a man named the Wunzler. The Wunzler tells the boy the story of the Lorax, who was the protector of the trees that used to grow in the valley. The Wunzler begins his story when he first arrived in the valley, which used to be a forest of truffula trees and a thriving ecosystem. The Wunzler cuts down one of the truffula trees to make a smeed, which is basically a sweater. The Lorax appears and tells the Wunzler off for having cut down the tree. As people begin to buy the Wunzler's sneeds, he starts a business and builds a growing factory to harvest truffula trees and make more sneeds. The Lorax complains over time about how the barbaloots, which are basically small bears, are going hungry without the fruit from the truffula trees, that air pollution is stopping songbirds from singing, and even that water species, like the singing fish, are going extinct from water pollution. Eventually, the Wunzler's factory cuts down the final truffula tree and his business ends and he's left all alone. The Wunzler clearly feels remorse for his actions at this point, and he leaves the final truffula tree seed with the child, telling him that if he grows a new forest for the truffula trees, the Lorax may return. The Lorax film is basically the same as the movie, but the story is framed as a story about Ted, a boy in Sneedsville, who is trying to get a truffula tree to impress a girl he has a crush on, named Audrey. Mr. O'Hare is the antagonist in the movie. He's a businessman who is profiting off of environmental degradation by selling bottled water and bottled clean air. The ending of the film is different from in the book, as Ted is the one who is given the last remaining truffula seed, and he's the one, not the reader, to find a way to plant the seed. Ted has to convince the community to help him in planting the seed, despite Mr. O'Hare's efforts to stop him. The movie ends with the Lorax returning to the valley as a few small truffula trees grow around the Wunzler's house. 
So today for our discussion on the Lorax, I'm joined by Catherine Rogers, Hannah Cunningham, and Elizabeth Dowdell. Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the racism that is present in Dr. Seuss's work. Last year, it was announced that six of Dr. Seuss's books will no longer be published because they have racist imagery in them. Our discussion today will be centering on the story of the Lorax, but we want to make it clear that in discussing it, we are by no means condoning the racism and exoticization of racialized peoples in Dr. Seuss's books and stories. What were all of your takeaways from the movie and from the book? My takeaway from the book, I hadn't read it in so long. And so it was, it was interesting to go back. It was like shorter and more simple than I remember, maybe because I was a child when I read it. But yeah, from the book, I got more of like a, like it's a cautionary tale, urging future generations to care. But I feel like it was sort of like empty beyond that. Um, But like it is a kid's book. So I kind of just got that more simple plants and animals are good and you should care about them message and it's a kid's book so maybe that's normal and then yeah the movie with the more complex plot I think was able to develop some more ideas I liked how it was a little more rebellious than the book some of the musical acts were great I like wasn't prepared for it to be a musical so that was fun and I feel like maybe gives kids a little more to work with in the ending like in like standing up for what you believe in, standing up to adults. I feel like still a fairly simple message, um, but I liked how the movie kind of like took what the book said and then just made it a little, zhuzhed it up a little bit. Yeah, I would definitely follow up on that and say that the book, zhuzh for sure. (laughs) Uh, But I think the book, like I had just read it for the first time to have this discussion. And I read just a very, like a PDF version. So it wasn't even the book itself. It was just the the text really. And it seemed just like a very short story, almost like a poem. And I was like, okay, like this is kind of missing a solutions part, but cool, leave young people to fix all the problems you've made and save the future. That's a whole other like anger tangent. I go on regularly when people say they're so happy that someone like you is doing something about the environment so yeah the book reminded me of my own frustrations caring about environment environmentalism but one of the film takeaways I like is that I mean they simplify the story a little bit but again near the end of the film there's this sort of sing-off if you will about planting trees versus like letting it die and the note I have is that let it die is really catchy but the line no greedy dirtbag is really the best lesson in this whole film, but like they just called it out. Just like, no, you're greedy and a dirtbag, get out of here. You don't get to ruin the environment for like corporate profit. So they're really calling it out a little bit more transparently, I'd say in the film and, and offering that kind of environmentalism versus capitalism uh, set up a little bit more. So yeah, I guess that's one of my first big differences I noticed between the film and the book and kind of the big takeaway that I love is no greedy dirtbag call it out like you see it so I 
think that I watched the Lorax when it came out, but it's been a long time now. So I'm actually not even sure if I had watched it or if I'd only seen parts of it. So sitting down and watching it now was really interesting. And then I watched it first and then read the book. And so I, I was expecting more, I think, when I was reading the book. And then, yeah, I felt that it kind of was short. And then I was like, is my computer glitching? Like, why can't I get to the end of the story where, you know, they plant the forest again? But because it didn't take us to that point. So I kind of felt that that was a little bit frustrating, I guess, versus in, in the movie where they did come together. And I really liked the part of the end where it did take the whole community coming together to rebuild what was lost. And I think that that's quite an important message that we do need to work with each other and we need to rely on our community to, to get to where we're going. So I thought that that was a really good kind of underlying theme at the end there. And then at the end of the book, they do sort of mention about how, you know, the, the story had come out like 40 years ago and that these issues are real and are actually going on. And they talked about how the Lorax project is something that is real in the world and that the Dr. Seuss Enterprises and Random House support conservation groups around the world. So I thought that that was kind of interesting to see that's good that yeah if you're making a book about this then that you're taking that action on and and actually trying to make a difference so I'd be interested in how the profits from the film were used and if there was anything there about uh, how they can support conservation out of that. From what you've said so far is it safe to say that we think that the movie does a better job of explaining some of the complexities of these issues than the book yeah 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 I mean it's still very simplified but the target audience is children so I would say that it's uh it does a pretty good job yeah I think so some of the other things that I was just like wondering about for the whole like resource extraction sort of problem in the story I really liked how the city name was Cleveville even though they like, I don't really know if there was that connection made because the one sir was still living out of town, like he was kind of like removed from that. But it was kind of like reminiscent of an old mining town or something like that, that like has the name associated with it, but it's sort of like moved on. But I was kind of wondering the whole time, like what the like people who work in the city do, like what their jobs are. It seemed like O'Hare was the main like employer because there was the guy working for like the water bottle delivery company, I guess. And so obviously this is, it's a children's movie and I don't think they wanted to get too, you know, critical because <laughs> they wanted people to, they wanted parents to go see it. But what are they going to do when they kicked out, like kicked out O'Hare at the end? Like that's one part of the social aspect. If we're really going to go into it on like the dependence of resource extraction, like that's great. I like agree that I think that he should be kicked out and he's greedy, but it'd be interesting if there was, you know, oh, like my mom works for the O'Hare company. Like, what am I going to do? Like, <laughs> and creating some of those, like, you know, they could get into like the economy of it. I don't know if that would be interesting. They could make an adult version of the Lorax that dives into some of those things. Cause yeah, I was kind of wondering like, what now? But it's Dr. Seuss, so they'll find something. They'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the points I had while being a critic was if anyone else relates to kind of like feeling like an outsider or feeling like ostracized for your environmentalism and your environmental values was something that I was curious about with this movie. Yeah. 
definitely. I, I definitely related to the Lorax and his frustration. And you can see as it kind of goes through in the book, like he he's being worn away during the time that these trees are being taken down and he's doing everything he can. And he's he's exhausted and, and but he keeps fighting, which is just so inspiring. But it I drew a parallel to kind of the, the narrative that we've had going on within Alberta for the past few years of that anti-Albertan activities. And, and that really just comes down to environmental activism. When, in my opinion, being an environmentalist is not anti-Albertan at all, because you're trying to protect Alberta and, and the landscapes and the environment and the people that live here that, and the animals that live here. And there's so many things that would benefit from those anti-Albertan activities. And so, yeah, I definitely have felt that way before and, and been in situations where you know that you can't really speak about your environmental beliefs and, and dealing with that, that feeling of, can I speak my, my truth? Can I speak what's inside of me? Or am I going to be looked at like, you know, this outcast or this weirdo, or even, you know, potentially being in trouble with my job? Like there's all of those issues that I think a lot of people feel and face all across the world. And especially in Alberta, I think that can be, that can be an isolating experience. So having the Lorax as kind of a hero to look up to that, oh, he's, he's, he's down bad, like he's tired, but he keeps going, he's still going to fight for those birds, he's going to fight for those fish, um, I think is inspiring, and, and we can keep fighting for what we want to protect too. Yeah, that's really well put. Yeah, I can definitely feel that. I think too, like, obviously, I haven't been meeting as many new people during COVID, but, you know, before, like, pre-pandemic I guess when you'd go out meet new people meet like acquaintances and stuff and then just some of the like discussion starts happening and then people are throwing around all different kinds of opinions about the environment the government and it can definitely be kind of awkward especially as like a more of a I'm really uncomfortable with confrontation <laughs> and so having that sort of like oh, I really think that I should say something, but I don't want to be like the downer or I don't want to, oh yeah, I don't want to like fight with this new friend of a friend that I've met. Yeah, I think that that same kind of frustration and just like tiredness. Yeah, I think we should, I know there's been sort of a resurgence with like the Lorax project, right? And then partnering with some different like apparel companies and trying to get their message out and get the Lorax's message out, I suppose, Dr. Seuss's message, I don't know, the environmental <laughs> message. But yeah, I think it's so important to have those role models from childhood, right? To have those kind of heroes from childhood to keep inspiring you and to, you know, be able to transition them into like real human beings in the world. Like, I don't know, seeing like Greta Thunberg or like Naomi Klein or I don't know, whoever your, your Zipporah Bermans, your Al Gores, whoever your environmental uh, leadership might be or your influencers. But yeah, someone to see doing it or like taking the, taking a lot of the, the pushback or the anger or the hate or whatever that builds up in people against the environment. Kind of like, you know, to see people leading through that whether they have like a sad mustache and eyebrows or not, you know, how they're coping with and how they're moving on and how they're um, keeping engaged. 
You're listening to Terra Informa. In this episode, we are discussing Dr. Seuss's The Lorax. Let's get back to the discussion. Something that's very relevant today is the Ferry Creek uh, resource conflict going on on Vancouver Island. So to provide a brief overview, since August 2020, environmentalists have been protesting the logging of an old growth forest stand that is one of the last remaining old growth forest stands outside of protected areas on Vancouver Island. Protests have been taking place against this political backdrop of tension because John Horgan, who's the current premier of BC, had made campaign promises to end old growth logging. But there is an injunction in place against protesters because Teal Jones, the logging company, has the legal rights to log Ferry Creek. Meanwhile, in the last few months, things have really been ramping up and there have been increasing numbers of arrests of protesters by the RCMP, drawing more national and international attention to this conflict. If you want more details about Ferry Creek, you can find them in some of our News Roundup episodes. Specifically, the ones from April and May provide some good context about the situation there. So in talking about Ferry Creek and the Lorax, are there any parallels that you see between what's happening? The biggest one, I would say, and I wouldn't call it a parallel, I would call it maybe one divergence that I see or one difference is that, you know, you have people speaking for the trees. (laughs) The Lorax didn't come down from the sky and get lifted off his stump. The Lorax is like several senior citizens and elders and hundreds of protesters showing up regularly and putting in the work and being there and standing in the forest because they know the trees are important and they don't want to lose them. Right. So that message has already gotten out. People already know, I guess is the only thing. Like, I think that's cool. I love that, that there are like protesters there that people were like, no, we care about the trees already. We don't need the last one to fall down to like come to their defense or like come listen to the, you know, the words of the Lorax. We're here. Yeah. In my mind, I guess the protesters are the Lorax. They are, they are speaking for the trees. They're, they're doing that part. So they're kind of the symbol, I guess, for me, for the Lorax. Like Liz and Kitty said, people protecting the forests in Fairy Creek, like some of them have been there have been like physically there like at the protest site for so long like I remember when I first started learning about what was happening in Ferry Creek people have been there for years which is kind of crazy and yeah the like indigenous land defenders the elders the yeah senior citizens who have been like doing this for a long time the like youth who are like continuing to show up following some of the social media accounts and stuff that sort of highlight what's happening. Yeah, the amount of response it seems like they've gotten from like calls to come to camp and come help us, come just like help us stand and protect these trees is pretty amazing. I don't know if I'm familiar with another sort of like long blockade like that, like in like recently. I'm sure there's been some, but it's the one that like, it's pretty it stood out to me and sort of like Liz was saying at the beginning how it can be frustrating when people are like oh well someone like you needs to go care about it like blah 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 I think that Fairy Creek is like a show of yeah there's a lot of people who do care and like are acting on it and like aren't afraid to be 
rebellious and like messy is not the right word but cause a problem you know because that's what you have to do I think that like something that I guess ties back to sort of my key takeaway from the movie of the community coming together and working together so we're seeing that happening we're seeing that community that local community come together and work together and now the message is going out or has been going out to these sort of further communities and getting that worldwide uh, news about it so maybe that local community isn't able to to fully stop it on their own so they're reaching out to this larger community and then we as a larger community across the world can actually make it stop or can have some influence there and I think that we have to remember too that the environment is everyone's responsibility and it affects everyone. So just because when I look outside of my window, I don't see those trees doesn't mean that I don't have care for those trees and for the people that live there. So I think if we start thinking of that, that world community that we're a part of as being a global citizen and all of that, then it can help to, to remind us why we have to support those initiatives that are very local based I guess but have such rippling effects all over the world we've talked a bit about um I mean the fact that the Lorax is a children's story so I think it does make sense that it isn't um too accurate in portraying just how complicated these issues really are but what do you think about the need for providing hope for people in stories like the Lorax for children, but also for adults? And how do you think there is, or is there a balance between providing that hope, but also making sure that people understand the severity and the complexity of the issues? I think that the storyline of the movie is that he kind of doesn't really know much about the problem. And then he finds out about the problem and he learns about the problem and he works towards a solution and then there is a solution. So I think that that's really good like problem solving for life skills, like in general. So I think that like, even if you don't want your kid to grow up and be a little hippie Lorax environmentalist, but the life skills are there to work through a problem and understand the problem and, and how to fix it and ask for help if you need help from your community and all of those aspects that are so important. So I think that that's a really good thing to show and to, to work with children and adults too, to show that if you're facing a problem, it can feel like the biggest problem in the world. Like all of the trees dying is a very big problem and it's a huge problem to face, but he works together with others to help plant those trees and to plant the seeds and to address the problem. And, and I think too, with, with trees, they take a long time to grow. So the, the solution is not immediate. They're not going to plant that seed and have a forest today. Like it's a long-term solution. I think that that's a really interesting aspect of it as well. Of you can work towards a solution. It might not happen right away, but you've got to keep working and focusing. And I think that those are really positive messages for children that, will inspire them to to actually work on it. Because if there was no solution at the end of it, it would be like, well, what do I do then? Like that doesn't answer my problem. And that's sort of where they, they leave you with the book. It's like, they, they want you to figure it out. And I'm like, ah, I don't want to figure it out. That's too stressful. So I like that the movie ends with figuring it out for us and showing us sort of the template for how to fix these problems. Yeah, great summary, Kitty. I think that is really an important part that there's like a community and a solution included. I want to 
make a joke about how <laughs> how I think there's really great hope demonstrated in this film that if you want your crush to like you, you just need to plant a tree and like <laughs> we could all take that to heart. <laughs> That's a very good lesson. That's a good lesson. Yeah. (laughs) For real, though, like I, you know, I struggle with maintaining hopefulness when I think about our climate future and climate present reality. And I've been certainly cynical more and more, having a growing cynicism. And I really try and focus on hope and struggle with hope and being hopeful and positive. So I think it's incredibly important that there are realistic and hopeful messages around our natural world and how we live in it and care for it and be a part of it so I think this one both as a you know a short story it's kind of like hopeful like there's still seeds and we can still have time we can do something and as a film it shows the same that you can you can do something and it takes you know they they make it a little bit more realistic that you can do something and you will need your community and you you will need help and it will be a collective action against anyone who's telling you otherwise against like greedy dirtbags. Right. So, yeah, I think that that is a really hopeful message and an important message and that it is a good one for kids, for kids and for adults to hear too. If you are feeling a little bit climate griefy, you can watch the Lorax and you might feel better. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I also like tend towards cynicism, especially when I'm feeling like stressed or like a foreboding sense of doom. I can be a little like boo-hoo on, you know, some of those like, maybe you'd call them like gentler messages of trying to teach about some of the issues and talking about like some of the things that you can do, but I try to remind myself that those gentle messages for kids and and adults who are maybe just reading into this for the first time or making your way into, yeah, like this global climate environmental crisis, it can be scary to jump into that. So I think that there is a place for those hopeful and a little more like gentle or like optimistic messaging where like the lyrics to me falls a little short like I I feel like it needed a little more edge but (laughs) I think that it's definitely important to have these kind of movies where like Liz and Kitty said talks a lot about community and some of those things like community building things that you can do I think that's what I liked about the movie where instead of just other like individual acts of yeah like recycling or even like the plant a tree thing can seem a little you know individual and yeah okay I don't know but in the movie the like bringing together the community I think yeah messages like that are super important connecting and sort of building that hope for the future together yeah I think that's uh that's a good message to leave kids and adults with I guess I wanted to share just kind of one more thought that's come to mind with the quote that the one says, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not for me. That's sort of like 
inspiring, but also really negative because you can get overwhelmed and that's okay. Maybe you don't have to be the one that changes the world, but if you feel like you can do something, then doing something can help. So unless you care a whole lot, nothing's going to get better. It's not. I think if you care a bit and you try a bit, then that can help a bit. And that goes a long way too. That's all the time we have for this week. I've been your host, Sarah Chitzes. Thank you to all the Terra Informers who joined the discussion for this episode, and thank you so much for listening. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, and all of our content is created by a team of volunteers. If you like what you heard, check out our website, Facebook, or follow us on Twitter. Catch you next week, right here on Terra Informa. Informa.